I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast presented by Zwift, the online cycling platform that makes training fun. Here with Benji for the Milano San Remo 2022 recap you know the parkour, 293Ks. We have the Cipressa Poggio combo with the descent into San Remo, uh, about a 6K run in after the Poggio, which is neither of these climbs is steep. 3Ks, 3.5Ks, 4% for the Poggio. Cipressa's 5.5Ks, 4.1%. As a note, After our preview came out, we knew this would happen with the sickness rampant through the peloton. Many omissions. Yes, we still have Wout here as the favorite, but Caleb Ewan's second favorite out. Pogacar, okay, started but said he had a cold. MVDP in for Alperson Phoenix. We've got an article on lanternrouge.com.au about his training preparation dropped this morning. Mads Pedersen in for Trek, Sturvin out, and Philippe. Out. So a lot of changes, but some things change, some things, some things stay the same, and that's Italian pro Conti riders in the break, Benji. Yep, they were in the breakaway, the pro Conti riders. <laughs> riders from Aiolo, too. We also had Drone Hopper with two riders in there, and I think uh, we also had a rider from Bardiani and a rider from Lotto Studal in the breakaway as well. Concha, which is uh, the consequence of Ewan getting out of this race that they need to show them somehow, I guess. Because, uh, well, Schilbert is not necessarily the leader at which you can stake everything in this race. But then again, it's a bit it's a bit meh to have to see them in the breakaway. Nonetheless, that breakaway was kept up to a six, seven minute gap, I think, by the peloton for the majority of this race. We know that nothing really happens until the Capi come by. Nothing on the Turquino and so forth. It was Jos van Emden and I think uh, Mosca that were doing most of the tempoing in the peloton. Crazy. That must be such a boring job on Milano San Remo, I, I tell you. But uh, when it comes to uh, the action happening, I think it actually started on the Capos already, or the Capi, however you want to pronounce it. We had Pitcock dropping, uh, which was something that we didn't want to see, but we knew that he had, I think, a knee injury in the past and also some sickness, right? Um, I think a knee injury in Lavenir. I don't know about sickness. I've seen him training here a lot. He's been doing like seven-hour rides. He put it on Instagram, I think, recently. But yeah, I haven't seen anything from Ineos about what happened. Maybe they'll release a statement about it. Very, very odd. It means something's up. You don't drop there if yeah. if you're fit. So that wasn't looking good. Speaking of fit people, me and Benji on Zwift today during the Milano San Remo watch along ride. Really fun. I think we started before the capo. We finished just before Pidcock dropped. And we had Bas Tietemet join us. So in future, we try and get special guests, sometimes announced last minute, on our Zwift LRCP group rides. And the one for today from Milano San Remo was really good. And we'll be having them for future races and during the Grand Tours as well. If you want to try Zwift yourself, there's a seven-day free trial at Zwift.com through the link in the description 
And thanks, as always, for Zwift being our title sponsor of the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast. But yeah, next thing with Sagan gone, Benji. Worst time possible. Um, Did he have, what was wrong with his bike? Because it wasn't a flat. He couldn't figure it out. Like rear derailleur or something it looked like, or like the back uh, back of his bike when it comes to the chain and so forth. Something in relation to that looked to be not okay because he was not having a flat and so forth. And you know that when you're doing that just before the Cipressa, it's ruined. Your Milano Sanremo is over. If somebody starts pacing on the Cipressa, and we knew that two teams would be interested in doing that, we mentioned that we had Pogacar at this race, who obviously can't go to the line with a Pedersen and so forth. And we also know that Jumbo would like to drop Pedersen. And we come to this Cipressa, and it is indeed a rider of UAE that hammers it right at the bottom. The gap to the break is now, I think, two to one minute, roughly. And that one rider hammers it for a bit, and then he's gone. I think it was Corvi, but I'm not certain about it. And after that, it's Jumbo that takes over with Tosh van der Sande. Not the crazy tempo that that one UAE rider was doing, just a gradual tempo on the Cipressa. And it took until, I think, halfway to Cipressa for... Yumbo to not be at the front anymore because UAE was taking over. And one of the riders that decided to do so was Polans, who decided to uh, go to the front and started hammering it. And when I say hammering it, it was a decent tempo, right? Yeah, it was his Trofeo Laguelia pace where he was initially riding as a domestique for Kovi and Ayuso. And it was the same, like the pain faces were unreal and we saw people dropping. Viviani gone early, Sagan's trying to come back never making it back through there. Ganna, gone. Didn't see him either. And this group was suddenly like 25. Oh, no, not yet. Not yet 25 riders deep. Good pull from Palance. Yumbo were all there about third wheel. Roglic entered Chipressa. Terrible position. Well, it was fine, but he wanted to be on his team's train he wasn't it was them on the right hand side Yumbo with Wout Laporte and Nathan van Hooydonk he was on the left side he had to move up the Chipressa and he did so easily whilst everyone was pacing so that was a problem for him he eventually moved up but as Formolino Benji incredible pull like he did in Liège last year Certainly. And uh, we saw that Pogaccio was not in second position yet when Formulo started hammering it towards the front. And he just kept it up for like the entirety of the Pajo till the top. At the end, it did look like Pogaccio was moving up a tiny bit. But in the end, they crossed the top with those riders. And the group was thinned out to around, I think, 20, 25 riders roughly. But who was still there? There were some names there. And Mess Pedersen was one of the names that's still there. So. The sprinter you want to drop right here is the one that's still hanging on. And that's a dangerous thing when you're Pagacho and Yamo in the situation because they know if they go to the line, it won't be easy to beat a Mess Pedersen. And Demar was still in that group as well, I think, although I would have expected him to drop in the Pajo later anyway. So I wasn't too scared of that rider. We saw Girma in there. We saw Aramburu in there. I was hyping up that potential third, seventh spot in three years in a row. But the descent started. And I was afraid at first that UAE was hammering it too much on the climb to the point where they wouldn't have anyone to pace yeah. in the valley because I wouldn't expect Yumbo, who only had three riders left at that point, which is Laporte, Drogic, and Wout Fanat, to use one of those riders in the flat. I wouldn't expect that because why would they do that if Peterson is in the group? So eventually, UAE actually did have the riders to keep it up in the valley. So I guess that's a, a question I didn't necessarily need to ask. I just had to look at the group. No, and I couldn't was believe it. Oh, okay. I, I thought they were coming back 100%. 
I guess the tailwind yeah. in the valley made a difference, but I thought 100% it was coming back because Jumbo want Nathan Van Hooydonk to come back and yeah. he's behind. They've got all the favourites there still, like Pedersen, the quick guys, MVP, so Jumbo aren't going to pace because they're behind. And so it's Formula against the whole group wherever. They, we never saw them camera work, by the way. We wait, we wait six hours for something to happen and then attacks start happening and they focus on the meme break for the whole time. Incredibly frustrating. But, yeah, I, I, I guess the tailwind, but Formula kept pacing the valley and they had Ulysses second wheel. I've never seen him in a race yeah. over 200 Ks. <laughs> well, and- actually, I think he has good races over 200 k in the Giro, but is that different? Probably? The Canadian ones over 200 k's They're quite hard. No but anyway, he was second wheel. And we had most of the favourites here. We had Turgis. Damar even made it. He's in better shape. We saw that at Torino. Jan Tratnik, Søren Kra, uh, Kvyatkovsky, the only Ineos rider, a day to forget for Ineos. Caruso for Bahrain. Seneschal, not a good day for Quickstep either. Jakobsen obviously gone. Aramburu, the guru. And I'm not sure if Ivan Garcia Cortina made it. He didn't. So it's a big group, but no one has domestiques. It's all really the big guys. And the only ones with domestiques are UAE and Yambo Visma. Even uh, Vincenzo Albanese still was there for Yolo Cometa. Anyway, get to the Poggio. Laporte goes on the front. Roglic enters Poggio in bad position. And Laporte starts pacing while Roglic is trying to desperately move up. Now I know, like I know there's a delay, and I know it's probably still better. Okay, let's just get Wout into good position, but that made it harder for Roglic to move up, Benji. And I think that then affected what was to come. And then Ulysses pulled, but I think UAE tactics are a little bit weird on Poggio, Benji. I think they. I think they overestimated how hard it is at the start and how easily they could drop people at the start. I I agree. When it comes to UAE, right? Yeah. At the start of the podium? 2% yeah, because, attacking. Like, yeah, we know that the most important aspect of the podium is, first of all, that positioning, like you said, with Rolich, but the last spot is the steepest spot, and that's where attacks usually follow. And when we notice that UAE is taking over so early from Laporte and starts hammering it towards the front there we know that a lot of people are going to have like oh they're going to be on the edge they're going to be on threshold like above threshold the entire time at that point but is that enough to drop them on a two three three and a half percent section probably not you got to wait until the very steep section to make that move and i think i think it might be easier to have one spike of energy on that steep section than the entirety of the climb because if you start going hammering on that easy section then you might not have the energy to hammer it on the steeper section. And, well, it might actually happen that way because they kept up that that pace for a tiny bit and it didn't like take long until Pogacar attacked, right? I know he attacked once really, really early. And I was with Wow on the wheel, like literally on the wheel at 45 kilometers an hour. And I guess if it was them mano y mano, that mm, sort of makes sense if you think you can re-attack. But there's MVP here, Roglic here. Pedersen was still there, Germay, Cry Anderson, Mar Morich, Matthews, they're all still here. And it's not, they didn't do like a record pace this year. It was a completely different Poggio to last year. Stop, start, because as I said, Laporte's then gone. And he's trying to come back 
Roglic is trying to move up. Laporte wanted to set a steadier tempo, and then Roglic actually closed him to the wall, stopped him moving up, and then an attack came again. I can't remember. I think it was from Pogacar again. He went yep. re-attacking, and this time it was Wout closing it, and it was he had a little gap, and Roglic closed Wout Benji, and they're not all smoothly on each other's wheel. They're like, um, 30 centimetres off, and he has MVDP on his wheel. I think Roglic should have done what Ewan did last year and just slide because just slide a bit and then the group will bring it back again. Yep, I agree on that aspect because the key about Yamo in the situation is the thing we brought up in the preview. If we come with a group towards the top, we need to have two riders in it because if you don't, then you're not going to take it. And if you're UAE, then you would say, oh, we also would like that. So I think both of those teams ended up spending so much energy on the Pajo that they made it very hard for themselves to get over the top with two riders if a potential 10 to 12 man group gets over the top. And after that Pogacar attack, I think Roglic decided to counterattack as well at some point. Van der Poel uh, jumped on his wheel, then Pogacar jumped on the wheel of Van der Poel, and Wout jumped off the wheel uh, of Pogacar. And then we look at the next phase and we see once again a move of Pogacar. We see that Wout closed it again. And Matthew Vanderpool closes it. And again, it's like Roglic reacting to, in the same way you already mentioned, where he is basically bringing people back to a group with Wout. And I'm kind of in doubt if that was, a, I think that was not a clever move. No, I think you can just save, you can just save a little bit because it's going to come back. You have to trust yeah. it will come back a little bit. And if it doesn't, well, Wout's ahead with a group of three. That's fine. Yeah. So you have to, you don't need to close two men, three men. Um, and he could have saved a bit of energy because, yeah, the, we saw what happened last year. There was one point in the race, I don't know which attack it was, where Roglic actually let the gap go when Wout Fanad went with the front riders. But that was still at a point where there were so many people in that group that they could relatively easily close it again at that point. So I think that at that point in the race, Roglic should have not thought about counter-attacking yet he should have waited until the steep sections to do something and if he doesn't have the energy at that point to do it just hold on just follow because it's so key to get over the of the pudge with multiple riders and i think the the key attack actually came when you were supposed to attack on the steep section which was Søren Kranderson, a rider that i'd expect to follow at this point in the race to not necessarily be the attacker at this point in the race and everybody had trouble closing that move i think it was Pogacar that got onto the wheel Instantly, Wout van Aert tried to close that together with an uh, Israel rider, I think. I'm not sure who it was, to be honest. And Vanderpool was also relatively easily there, but that Israel rider drops the gap, and therefore Vanderpool has to go around that Israel rider towards Wout's wheel, and Wout starts cracking in the wheel of Pogacar, and Pogacar starts cracking a tiny bit in the wheel of Søren Kranderson. But you know that this is only the latter part of the budge when you see Mess Pedersen 10 meters behind. He's pacing a group of 10 back, and you know if it's only that little before the top, that group is coming back. So it seemed like the group had thrashed about and thrown haymakers before that Alaphilippe 6% zone. And the SKA attack was the best timed one. It's where I thought Pog would have gone. And yeah, yeah it hurt guys. I think Wout burnt a big match there. And MVDP actually, he made him close the gap before we get into the hair raising Poggio Descent. This episode of the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast is supported by Colnago, the legendary maker of bicycles that are winning and beautiful. 
The logo of Colnago, the ace of clubs, was chosen for the brand after Michele Dancelli of Team Maltini won Milano Sanremo in 1970 on a Colnago, the reason being that Sanremo is known by the nickname the City of Flowers. As always, today we saw Tadej Pogacar on the, the Colnago V3 RS, the bike on which he has won the Tour de France twice, Liège, Strade and Lombardia, and which lit up the Poggio today. The Colnago V3 RS is engineered to be the perfect all-round bike in terms of aerodynamic and climbing performance. You can check out Colnago's full range through the link in the description down below. Thanks to Colnago for supporting the podcast. Yeah, big group, Benji, two seconds. It's always going to come back on that descent. Pagacha actually went to the front (laughs) on the descent, clearly not going full, and we knew something was coming. We have three Bahrain guys in the group. One of them is Nibali, Stan, Acolyte possibly even God-tier mode above him, Matej Moric. When he went on the descent, I was like, this is trouble. Yeah, this is certainly trouble. And I started seeing him move up from the back of the group already. I was like, this is about to go down. This is about to go down. He's going to go at some point. He's moving up rider by rider. Something's coming. And I think the riders saw it as well because riders tried to react and tried to get to his view. but. Mohoric air was like 10 times everybody else for some reason. So he's able to like snipe past everybody in the descent. And the second he gets out of that corner where he passes the first rider of the group, I think it was Vanderpool at that point where he already gets a bit of a gap and Vanderpool desperately is trying to like somewhat hold on. Vanart also, and those two riders were at the front trying to close down the gap that Mohoric had made at that point, which wasn't large at the start, but it started expanding and expanding because this is not necessarily the most technical descent, but it's technical enough to do difference and there was one corner and he uh, was it a straight or a corner just before a corner i think where mohoric had like i think 40 30 meters probably not more and he starts riding into the gutter on the left side just next to a rock i thought he was going to head straight for that rock i was hoping not but he jumped out of that gutter right on time straight into the corner so that's the first time he saved his own life at that point he goes through that corner goes to the next corner and he has a bit of a gap on the rest he expands that basically for Quite a portion of the descent. The gap is not necessarily big at this point. Like second and max a half. Max 10 seconds? Second and second, a half. Okay. Because so, it okay. looks big. It looks big, but yeah. they're going 70. So it's, yeah, right. it's not actually in terms of – it's like F1. You look at – they're like 300 meters away, but it's yeah. like 0.5 seconds. He nearly died a second time, and the next one was almost Crazy. sketchier. He yeah. was going quick. I think grabbed front brake, bucked the bike. I have no idea how he kept it up. No idea how he didn't crash out. And – Morich's full sport is the threat of death. I am willing to die to win this race. And to be honest, the way he this is the only way he can win. He can't win a sprint, can't attack on the Poggio, but he is willing to die and do the descent fully on the limit. It didn't work out in the Giro last year. Crashed. Thank God he didn't hurt himself too badly. He didn't crash. Flying. The motos, it must be said, as they have a lot this year in various races for various riders, including Wilder on loop a little bit, but this was out of the corners, like they were 30 centimetres in front of his face, slingshotting him out of the corners. It, was, it, it made a difference. But, Benji, I knew if you don't close him before the flat section, you yeah. are going to have problems. There's no Trent into pace. There's Bahrain are the only other team with riders you will never get MVP Wout and Pedersen to work together. Never. 
A hundred percent. Because you know that, well, we've said it a few times this podcast already, but the key to being able to catch a rider that attacks in the descent, just like Steven last year, is for the favorites to have teammates. And that is not the case right here. Roglic was a bit off the back of the group right there in that descent, then was unable to help out because of that reason. And then you look at Pogacar's team and they spent most of their riders the entire race. So at that point in the race, they don't have those riders to pace that rider back. And apparently, Modric was using a uh, dropper seat post. Is that legit? I'm going to wait for confirmation. Yeah, he said that in an interview. He might have maybe meant he accidentally like shoved his, when he nearly crashed it, like jammed the seat down more. If he is, that's insane. <laughs> I know he pointed at something later, but again, we have this group behind. Terzis, not going to pace. He's not going to win a sprint. Certain Krupp, not going to pace. Not going to win a sprint. Wout has got MVDP on his wheel. He's paced a lot, closing the podio, getting tired. Not really going to pace. MVDP attack paces where he attacks and then paces a little bit. But the gap was going bigger and bigger. And we saw when they're going to the left-right chicane, they were all looking at each other. People out of the saddle looking. We knew it was done. Mate Morich takes a daring, insane, hair-raising descent victory of Milano San Remo 2022 ahead of Terzis, who attacked out of the group. Probably pretty smart from him, to be honest. He wasn't winning the sprint. Yeah. Taking second, two seconds behind, MVDP, on the couch eight weeks ago, third today, called up at the last minute. Matthews fourth, Pagacha fifth, Pedersen sixth, then Kranis and Van Aert, Tratnik. I dare say that sprint, MVDP did work a bit, but I dare say that sprint order, Benji, is reflective of how much Pedersen and Wout worked on Poggio yeah. and afterwards. I don't think it's reflective of, well, Søren Kranis faster than Wout now. Um <laughs> yeah i agree on that and the aspect to that sprint is as well that turgi is first in that sprint but it's not necessarily that he sprinted because i think he rode away in the last kilometer as well from that group solo towards mohoric at some point i was i was looking at him okay turgi's gonna win a monument turgi's gonna win a monument but mohoric held on in the end because at that point it was too late and what a wonderful ride for turgi as well lots of points 400 uci points for total energy they'll be pretty happy with that probably better than sigan would have done if he didn't have a a mechanical i'll i'll tell you that <laughs> but when it comes to the rest of the the group that is in there just Pogachar tried what he could to drop people perhaps on the wrong times peterson did a wonderful race and had the same issue as Wout has last year and as Wout had this year where he didn't have a teammate to ride with him is if steven is at this race next to uh peterson peterson might actually win milano san remo you gotta remember it's two seconds we are talking You've got to remember it's two seconds. We are talking very fine margins here. You have one domestique to just pull for 500 meters instead of the group stalling. There's your two seconds or a second. You have the moto not doing so much. There's another second. Uh, so, yeah, incredible from Morich, though. I'm trying to bring up his Palmares because in the last in the last year, he's won Slovenian National Champs Road Race, which is not easy to do, maybe one of the hardest. Two tour stages, Benelux tour stage seven, and now MSR, his biggest win to date. It shouldn't be a surprise. This is, I know we, you'd never predict him as a favorite, 
but it's always a risk. And in Liège, Benji, this is what he always does. He gets dropped on the last climb. We never see it on TV. You've asked for drone footage many times <laughs> of him descending to catch the group in Liège. I think he caught G1. Was it this last year or the year before? Yeah. It's in the year before, but I'm not sure. Insane descender. And it is good to have some variety. We When was the last descent win? Are we counting Nibali? Uh. He, I don't know. This is I think a proper the, descent. The Peloton's win. tempo was yeah. This is a proper descent win. Attacking in descent, keeping that gap. We know Modric is the best descender in the world, hands down, and we saw it today. As simple as that. I should round out the top ten for completeness. Uh, Moritz, Turgis, Vanderpool, Matthews. Some big points for bike exchange. Pog fifth, Mads Pedersen, Anderson seventh, Van Aert, Tratnik, Demar tenth. Just he was then in the second or third group, rather eleven seconds. With Albanese, a 11th big result for Yolo, Gurmai, 12th, Aramburu, Seneschal, Caruso, Kwiatkowski, the best, Ineos rider, 16th. What's going on with Ineos, Benji? Richie Port said, we're still the best team in the world. It doesn't look like it at the moment. <laughs> yeah, but that article was a bit clickbaity because at first I shared it because like, Richie, you're wrong. But the last sentence was like, I think we can become the best world, uh, team in the world again. While he said that the first sentence, we are the best team in the world. So <laughs> he's, he's sending mixed signals, Richie. Come on, man. And I think, uh, yeah, I think they didn't have the best day, certainly. But I don't think Gana should have could have been able to follow that tempo of the of the Pojo that Why the not? first riders were Demar doing. Demar made it. Uh, I, he, second group, though. But Gana should have done better. I mean, he got dropped on Chipressa. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I think well, I think if Damar is making Chipressa, I think you'd expect Ghana to yeah. make it. And Kokar as well. Yeah, true. Yeah, and that's the thing. This is These are different races. Raced, I know they don't race the first bit hard, but when, they're going, when they really launch it, this is different to Provence Stage 2 when Formolo hits yeah. the Chipressa hard. Um, I think... Matthews, to be honest, like what else he can do but just hope for a good result in the sprint here. And that's the problem for guys like Wout and MVP. Let's talk about Pogaccia and UAE Benji. We're not disappointed because we didn't see him as like a five-star favorite. Yeah. And the hype was getting a bit out of control for what is a balanced race that sprinters can win. No aero helmet. They're on wide bars. It's, I, I, I do feel like they have won a lot of races because Pog has just been so much better than everybody. Yeah. But why did they pace the valley? Think about it. Why did they pace the valley? Who was behind? I agree. That's the entire point I was making for Yumbo, for example. In that situation, they should be the one pacing. And I think at that point, you're at a, what, what is that? term called fallacy cost cost fallacy some cost fallacy uh, yeah yeah we, we yeah we've dropped so many people we should we got to keep them behind yeah but at that point in the race there's no point to keep it going because the riders that you wanted to drop are still with you miss Pedersen, sure a christoph and so forth but you're gonna drop them on the pojo come on like it's not like they're gonna follow there so i think they should indeed not have based in that point in the race and i think that from the moment that they notice that Peterson is holding on, on the Chipperessa, they should have kept going like they did, in my opinion. They they did that well. But they should not have started going that crazy from the bottom, both Yumbo and UAE on the Pojo. 
Laporte was gradual at the start of the Pajo, but he also shouldn't have done that. I think Laporte was pacing initially just to get Wout into good position, and then he clearly yeah. eased up because yeah. Ulysses, he, he's not so – But, yeah, UAE, you're right. You want Piaget to get separation, either solo or small group. He's not winning. I mean, mm-hmm. some people are like, he's so good now because he won on Carpeña. He can beat Demar and people <laughs> in the sprints. Like, come on, guys. Like, let's relax a little bit. But So that's how he can win. But they've created a situation where he's attacking on a 2% section of the Poggio where he feels like he's run out of domestiques, I better attack. Maybe Benji, he was hoping he, MVDP or Wout would bring him somewhere and they would counter he would go with, like he went with Sir and Kra. I don't know. If I was them, I would have still paced the Chipressa really hard to, just, to yeah. put fatigue in the legs of the other domestiques. I would have wanted Palance to come back. I would have wanted Formolo to do a second effort, and I would have wanted to pace Poggio hard to set up a Pagaccia attack on a steeper section later because that is the Alaphilippe model. Yeah, and he's not necessarily going to drop people at that Alaphilippe moment on the Poggio, but he's not going to have a 15-man group in his wheel, most likely, I dare to say. Exactly. And then we look at Yumbo, for example, and honestly... On the Cipressa, I agree with what they're doing in the Valley. I agree with what they're doing when it comes to the Poggio. It started becoming a bit messy on the Poggio, where it all started with the bad positioning of Roglic, I think. And if he's not in a bad position, he's more to the front. He doesn't spend that energy there. Perhaps he's able to hang on at the end. I agree. I think, again, he's so good legs-wise that he's like, oh, I can move up 30 yeah. wheels on the Chipressa. But the margins, as I said, are so small that you, there's still a cost to that. And then Poggio, I think it cost him, you saw the cost there, and particularly the attacks he was closing that he didn't have to with Pog with Wout van Aert behind him, um, that there's a cost moving up 15 wheels on the Poggio. We saw it with MVDP last year. You do a superhuman effort to get to first wheel and then you're done. What do you think about, could Wow have done anything differently today? I, I don't really see it, Benji, because if he doesn't respond to every Pagatra attack and Pagatra goes solo and wins, we would have called him an idiot. And everyone would have called him an idiot. If, and then he said, oh, I had the legs, but I didn't want to close every attack. I think it, you have to. Yep, I agree. And I think it's not Wout's fault. I think Laporte probably wouldn't been able to follow the tempo at the top there. So I don't blame him necessarily to not be in that final group. I think the key was getting Roglic in that 12-man group, and that's where it didn't work out for Jumbo today. And if that was happening, they had a rider to pace after the Pudge when they didn't have that today. And yes, that rider would have had to respond to a lot of attacks. That is certain. but Come on. I think for two kilometers, one rider can do the controlling, right? Um, I still don't like the idea of Roglic controlling in after the Pogio. Attack, then. Because Peterson's there. I was all in on Wout going into a small group over the top. Because I was, I think, going into a sprint with Peterson and co. Roll the dice. And... Yeah. The one mistake Wout made, I think, was hoping Pagatch would close Morich descent attack. He waited like two, yeah. three seconds, and Pog was like, I got to 
I would win the Tour de France later this year. I'm about to end my career, and because because then wow, held the gap, held the gap stable for a bit, but the Pagatra let the wheel go a little bit. That's one mistake. I'm sure he's on the limit. MVP Benji, we haven't really mentioned him. Probably the most remarkable result of today. Again, as I said, we wrote the article, Carlos, this morning about his training program. He went. This is end of February, Benji. This is like twenty. Yeah. No. Yeah, 20 days ago, he did a 15-minute test, 380 watts or something, 175 heart rate. 14 days later, he did the same test, 80 watts more at 470 or something at a slightly lower heart rate. I was like, it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen, whether it's talent, whether it's just that's what happens when a guy like him doesn't train and then gets back on the bike. I think I do worry Benji that they're going to throw him into everything now. I'm still not sure the back is fully resolved. Like, is there a? I know we said on the Swift stream today that it's not the biggest deal. MSR, like he was doing seven hour training rides anyway. But are you still a bit worried about them not being patient? Uh, I don't know, like, we know that Copia Bartal is his next one. I think that's a good fit if you take him out of that and go to E3, then it's a problem, I'd say. But I think going from Copia Bartali, seeing how it's there, and then gradually building up into the waters of Lauderdale, the weakest of the Cobble Classics I dare to say in that region of the year, together with Brugge de Pone, and then build up towards those other monuments, that could potentially work out. But I'm not a doctor, I'm not with him, I don't know how he feels about it. Perhaps he was sandbagging a bit. Most likely he was sandbagging a bit. Just like Mohoric with his bloody knee pain. Where's where was the knee pain today, mate? i mean i just don't listen to anything anymore when i hear people saying he's just here for the experience just like when they when alberson said he's here to fill in sick rice i'm like come on you flew him (laughs) you flew him to milan (laughs) come off it and then you saw it's clear they've looked at his training picks i can imagine rudolph and the kegel huddling around looking at his training picks like holy fuck he's back (laughs) (laughs) and he just signed an extension as well yeah um exactly we don't have to get yeah, the MVP insurance into this. <laughs> Where's Jasper? Did he? Uh, he dropped, uh, I think, on the Cipressa uh, in the second group there. Anyway, crazy from MVP. I hope his back issues stay because he didn't do any sprints at all. Well, in that. They resolved. Are they resolved? We'll never know. They're, as no, a, you... they're not chronic. <laughs> they're not chronic, Benji. They're just persistent yeah. and lingering. Yeah, okay. <laughs> for, for six months. <laughs> Gordon Rudolph. Okay. <laughs> Shouldn't laugh. But yeah, anything else from Milano San Remo, Benji? I still think the tension, I was literally must watch TV from the base of the Chipressa. Yeah. You don't like it as much as me. You're like, eh. I'm not going to lie, I really enjoyed it today. I um the thing about Milano San Remo is that you've got this mindset into it where it's like a gradual buildup and at the end you've got this crescendo, this major moment. No, and no, no. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. It's I like, it's like I a hockey. It's a podcast. I did a, I drew, a, went horizontal with my hand and then up like a conductor. Got, there's no, there's no gradual build. Is that what you mean? The tension gradually builds up, in my opinion, because like it gradually builds up towards a moment where it kicks off, and yeah, it's a hockey stick parkour. You're right, where the initial part of the tension is flat, and then it goes. Up. Jesus, this is what yeah, are we getting into this analogy, here? I think. No, I just mean. <laughs> but, uh, if you watch the first 200 Ks, that's on you. You're an idiot. Yeah, but next to the, 
<laughs> I agree. But I also wanted to add that I'm not going to lie, the last 25 minutes of Milano Sanremo are some of the stressful, most stressful uh, minutes of the season. And the last two years with the Liège finish at Lombard, uh, at, uh, no, the Liège finish in Liège. Yeah, that's what I said. That's also become a bit more stressful to me because you've got that descent to the line. They're going to come in a group or not. It's a similar situation. And what do you think? Can Horic pull this off at LBL? I think so. Like, Bahrain is so strong. They got Hay, Caruso, Morich, Foliage, Fred Wright, who couldn't even start today. So, I mean, this is the thing, Benji. If Colbrelli was here, does Morich win? Uh, is he chained for Colbrelli? That's a, I don't know, an interesting uh, sliding doors moment. But yeah, that was MSR. A bit of housekeeping. Tomorrow we will have Trofeo Alfredo Binder, the Women's World Tour one day race. Not the most stacked start list, but otherwise, next week um, we have Volta a Catalunya. We will be checking in on MVP at Copy Ibartoli. In fact, that start list is very, very, very strong. I think Thomas is doing it. There's Brugge de Pana, men and women's E3 on the Friday. So we have lots. We have the permanent stage race of Catalonia and then some good one-day racing as well. Thanks, as always, to Zwift, the title sponsor of the podcast, the online cycling platform that makes training fun, as well as Colnago supporting this show. Until next time, ciao.